Church, today we conclude a five-part series that we've been going through called Groundwork, in which we've been looking at some of the core values of our church family and some of the ways that we express them. Uh, To put it another way, uh, these are things that you'll hear us say a lot around here at DSBC. Today, uh, we're looking at one that actually summarizes all the other weeks, uh, as well as adds a little piece to it, and we'll discover that together. Uh, But I do want to say, for those of you that are joining us in person, if you did not get one of the handouts on your way in, if you would just raise your hand, uh, wave your hands up in the air like you just don't care, and one of our hosts will get that to you. uh, so that you can follow along with us. We've been, we've been printing these out each week so that you can kind of make notes, mark it up uh, as you like, uh, and have uh, your eyes on the uh, same text that we're studying. For those of you that are joining us online, the front page of our website, dsbc.church, there's a big graphic that says Groundwork with a link to download uh, the study guides. In fact, if you uh, missed a week, uh, I would encourage you to go back and review the sermon from that week and review the study guide. And for those of you who've been following along, does anyone have... Uh, a full house? No? Okay. Uh, so these are also collector's items uh, for you. So today we're looking at uh, a, a phrase uh, we're going to be, uh, that, that says this, we strive to help people be with Jesus, think like Jesus, and love like Jesus. And you'll notice that it's on a crown because we believe Jesus is the king. And we're going we're gonna to study in John chapter 15. So if you have a Bible and would like to turn there, we'll be in John chapter 15. And as you're turning there, I wanted to give you a, a cool story. So two weeks ago, we shared uh, as a church family, we recognized that there was a lot of refugees coming out of Afghanistan, many of whom would be placed here. As Governor Doug Ducey said, uh, the state of Arizona welcomes refugees. Arizona has been home uh, to the refugee resettlement program for years And uh, we've done ministry with refugees uh, in the past as well as a church. But uh, we specifically noted that a lot of the agencies that serve in the valley uh, that we love partnering with, they're they're kind of right now they're in a position where many of them are underfunded for uh, to be able to handle the uh, massive influx of uh, those coming um, as well as understaffed. So we don't really didn't really know at the time where those monies were going to go. We're still figuring that out. I think we're going to know this week. Uh, Because they're being overwhelmed, just, you know, phone calls and meetings are taking a little bit longer than usual. Uh, But we we said for the, at the time, we said for the next two weeks, anything that comes in through our benevolence fund, which is designed to support uh, our neighbors, life-sustaining needs of our neighbors, anything would go specifically towards those agencies. Uh, And then something crazy happened. So uh, that made the front page of the New York Times. Like, your generosity made the front page of the New York Times, which is crazy to me. Uh, and we've got a lot of phone calls. It was a good story, by the way, uh, in the newspaper. It was a positive, positive spin. Uh, and we, we've been getting emails and phone calls from people all around the country. Uh, some of them are folks saying, I'm not a church person. Uh, I get the impression many of them have a generally unfavorable view of the church. But they said, it's so good to see a church like yours uh, actually living out what they believe, which is awesome. Uh, just to be a witness for Christ and for his generosity. And then I got a call from a dude I've never met uh, in Denver, and he's like, hey, I read your story in, in the New York Times, and uh, can you tell me a little bit more about it? So I told him about it, and he's like, cool, can I send you some money? And the answer, Pastor Caleb's answer to that question is always the same. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. But, but, but in this case, I was like, bro, like, all we're going to do is give it to an, uh, one of our partner organizations that we love. Like, we're, you know, we want to help resource them. And, and he's like, no, nah, I'd really like to give it to you. But can you do it in one of those things where it's like a matching donation? So, like, if somebody gives $10, I'll give $10. And I'll do that up to $1,000. So, Pastor Caleb's answer to that question is almost always yes. So, I said yes. I get a text message from him about 10 minutes after we hang up the phone. And he says, let's make it 2500 
So we are going to extend uh, the time frame until next Sunday. So anything that goes to our benevolence fund until next Sunday is going to go to support the life-sustaining needs of our neighbors, specifically uh, aimed at our uh, refugee neighbors, many of whom are still on their way as they go through the government process. Also on our website, dsbc.church, up at the top, you'll sign, you can find a link if you want to give of your time or uh, material resources, or you'd like to donate directly to one of the organizations we've got, uh, the ones that we're partnered with listed there. Again, top page of our, uh, the top menu of our website, you'll see a link that says Loving Refugees. Love to encourage you guys to take uh, that opportunity. So we say in our uh, statement, uh, we strive to help people be with Jesus, think like Jesus, and love like Jesus. And I said a moment ago that this phrase, this statement, actually encapsulates the other four statements that we've gone through, but it adds something else. So if you just think about the last four weeks or the other four parts, and again, you can check out uh, our website, dsbc.church, if you need to uh, uh, revisit some of those. But all of the previous statements up until now have been uh, a means of articulating uh, thinking like Jesus and loving like Jesus. Uh, thinking like Jesus and loving like Jesus. But we've intentionally added something that by and large as a church, we have not uh, had the volume up on a lot. Does anyone know what it is? It's not think like Jesus. It's not love like Jesus. What was in the phrase or the statement that you noticed? Be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. It's something that we've, in the past, we've failed to turn the volume all the way up on, but I, I, as, we, as we engage in the Scriptures today, I'm going to argue that the thinking like Jesus and the loving like Jesus, if it's disconnected from Jesus, it actually becomes poison. It actually becomes uh, destructive. And I think Jesus thought that, and I, I'd like to prove it to you from John chapter 15. But we also notice, notice how many times Jesus is mentioned. How many times is Jesus mentioned in this statement? Thrice, Right? Isn't that a little bit too much? No. And I'll tell you why. And, I, and this is a little thing. This is a little Pastor Caleb pet peeve, but here we go. I hear people talk about God a lot, and I, I appreciate that, right? Um, but here's the deal when people say, I love God, or I'm a God-fearing person, or I'm a godly person. Here's my question I think you should actually ask. Which one? Which God? Because if you read your Bible, which, by the way, I would highly encourage you, today after you go home, uh, read your whole Bible. You'll see this uh, throughout the whole thing. In your whole Bible, you'll notice that there is a repetitive theme that kind of goes like this. You might even be familiar with it, even if you've never read the Bible, which is totally fine. I'm so glad you're here today. But, but you might have even heard of, like, the Ten Commandments. Kind of, they're kind of, like, popular. Uh, it comes out of the Bible. And uh, there's this one that says, I am the Lord your God. You will have no other... God's, plural, before me. And throughout your Bible, you're going to find that there's all these entities or things that are competitors for, uh, of the one true God, competitors for our hearts, for our intentions, for our desires. Uh, sometimes it'll, they'll be straight up referred to as gods or false gods. They'll sometimes be referred to as idols. Uh, sometimes they'll be referred to as uh, the powers, principalities, rulers, and authorities. There's, there's this spiritual dimension that, we, that I think as Westerners we fail oftentimes to recognize that there are places and spaces and things and entities and created beings that we can give our hearts to. We don't have this, when we read our Bibles, they, they often call them by like strange names like Baal or Mammon or whatnot. But, but in, in modern, uh, modern society, we might call them sex, money, power, nation, family, etc., etc., etc. Now, are those things good things or bad things? 
Those are good things created by God as gifts. And yet the corrupting power of sin can take a good thing and corrupt it. And here's one of the ways that sin corrupts the good gifts of God. When you and I, when we as people elevate the good created things of God to the status of God, it poisons them. They become corrupt. So family is a good, but when family becomes God, it ends up poisoning us. We end up hating our family for not living up to our expectations of them because we think that if our family's okay, I'm okay. You see, a guy, and you could do that with your career, you could do that with money, you can do that with sex or sex appeal, you take your pick. One of the things that if, as you read through your, Bible, your whole Bible tonight that you'll discover is humans have a desire to elevate something to the ultimate level of importance. So where you get your dignity, your worth, your value, your peace, your security, your future, your... Whatever, whatever your heart is looking for, whatever gives to you those things, that may well be your God or God's. And so the reason that we say Jesus a lot is to be real clear which God we're following. I, 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 was, I, I couldn't actually show it up on the screen because we'd have to blur the whole thing out because it's vulgar. But I saw a, the, the back of a vehicle and it was two bumper stickers. And the one bumper sticker was made of uh, the font was made of uh, AR-15 assault rifles, okay? And it said expletive, and it's the worst one, in case you're wondering. And then a political figure that this person obviously had disdain for. Right? And then on the other side of the vehicle, in the same gun font, it said faith. Now, hold on, hold on. You go to Hobby, I know you guys love Hobby Lobby, Philistines, right? We go to Hobby Lobby, or we're at Target, or the Magnolia Farms, you know, stuff at Target, and there's all these little signs, right? Faith, friends, family. Here's the question that I want to ask you to consider. Faith in whom? We all have faith. Faith, faith. Another way to put faith is allegiances. We all have it, Right? We're all worshiping some God. When I hear people say I'm a God-fearing person, my next question is, which one or ones? I, I, I saw an advertisement for a prayer and worship event. In which direction will you be pointing your prayer and worship? Because there are many forms of prayer. There are many forms of worship. And if we're not careful, we can just assume that if a person is using God speak, they mean Christianity, they mean Jesus. But the reason we're articulating Jesus is because we want to be crystal clear. We are, following, we are following and pursuing the way of the triune God made manifest in Jesus the Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we follow Jesus. The reason we're articulating it with Jesus is because we want to be very clear which God we serve. It's the one who became manifest in Christ. So when you think of the cross, that's the one. You guys with me so far? Now, I want to make a little, a little aside. A lot of people, and I totally get this, it's confusing. They'll say things like, is a curse, or maybe they'll refer to him as Jesus Christ, as if Christ is his last name. Like, in the modern construct in the West, we put last names where? Last. So, Caleb is my first name. Campbell is my last name. So, I get that it's confusing that when you read your Bible later tonight, you're going to see Jesus Christ. But, but here's what the translators could also do. Jesus the Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. Christ is just another way to say Messiah, which is just another way to say anointed one, or the one that all of scriptures point to. Tonight, 
in your whole Bible reading, you'll see that, especially in your Old Testament, you will find a longing for, a repeated theme, that there's coming a Messiah, a chosen one, who's going to restore all that which is broken to rights. And then in your New Testament, because we switch languages in the New Testament to Greek, you'll find that it's called the Christ. Christ is just a way to translate Messiah. And so Jesus, is, his last name isn't Christ. He is the Christ. Uh, now, in English, we put the title before, right? So people sometimes refer to me as Pastor Caleb, not Caleb Pastor. You guys got me? Okay, so you could say Christ Jesus, which may, just may dig in just a little bit more into the fact that he fulfills an office that was longed for throughout your scriptures. Now, it's okay, I think, to say Jesus Christ because there's only one Messiah. There's only one promised one. There's only one chosen one. There's only one Jesus. So we are careful to articulate the one that we're following, the God that we are following, is the one that became manifest in Jesus. And here's the really crazy thing about Jesus. Contrary to all other gods, there's two things. All of the other gods, because they're good things created by God, but we elevate them to a position of godness, they demand our life from us. If, if, if work and success in work, which is one of my greatest temptations, if success at work becomes my uh, dignity, worth, and value, I will move heaven and earth and I will actually sacrifice my family and y'all just so I can feel good about the work that I did. Workaholism could be, not always, but could be tethered to worship. That as long as my job's okay, I'm okay. My, who I am comes from being Pastor Caleb. Do you see it? Now, for some of us, we're like, that's dumb, and I get it. But you've got a God or gods that are calling out to you all the time, don't you? And I don't know what God or gods are calling out to you, but, but I know this for a fact. All of them demand our life from us. Jesus is the one true God who gives his life for us. Here's the other cool thing. If we don't uh, 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 just grind and work to make sacrifice for these false gods, they want nothing to do with us. These false gods will disown you faster than you can drop a hat. Many of us have experienced that. Many of us have found that when we've given our life to something, maybe a lover, maybe a, a substance, maybe, maybe work, maybe some other identity-forming entity, that when we don't please it, it turns its back on us. But here's the thing about Jesus, is when we turn, this is the story of your Bible, when we turn our backs on God, he is constantly in pursuit calling out to us, come back, come back, come back, come back to me. He is the constantly pursuing God. All of the other gods turn their back on us when we betray them, when we don't meet their needs. But Jesus is the one true God who follows after us. Come back home. And so when we walk the Jesus way, we recognize that he's the one God who actually wants to be with us. Everybody just take a big deep breath in. What would your life be like if every moment you recognize that Jesus wants to be with you? 
right now, there, for many of us, there are things being conjured up in our minds, our own failures, our past hurts, things that people have done to us. We say, how could Jesus want somebody like me, someone so broken like me? And I just want to cut to the chase here. Jesus knew you and all your imperfections before time began, and he gave his life for you. He rose from the grave, conquering over Satan, sin, and death, including all the brokenness that you feel, and he still yells and screams, come back to me. There is no thing or action or thought that can separate us from the love of God. What he calls us to do is to, the word is repentance, which is a lot of, a lot of people get weirded out by that. Here's repentance, right? It's a change of mind. I'm going to turn from this way of thinking, and I'm going to turn to Jesus. That's repent. Okay, so I'm going to turn towards Jesus. And do you know who Jesus says yes to? Everyone who wants Jesus, read your Bible. And so when we turn from walking our own way, we turn and we walk the Jesus way. And the crucial thing about the Jesus way is not our actions, it's not our thought processes, it's being with him. Chickity, chickity, check. Let's go to the text. This is in John chapter 15. Now, uh, I'm going to read it, then we'll talk about it, and then we're going to do some cool stuff. Okay, here we go. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, Unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, they are burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, Ask whatever you want, and it will begin, uh, be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now, I know, okay, so here we go. We're going to zoom in on this, okay? So number one, Jesus is riffing on a theme that's throughout your Bible. Trees are all over the place in the Bible. Now, I'm going to ask that you would suspend, just for a brief moment, your modern Western scientific understanding of things. And I would just ask that you would put yourself in the mind of an ancient Near Eastern agriculturalist. And the categories that we have are not necessarily the same categories that they have. And so the, in the, I'll just show you here just real quick. In the beginning of your Bible is uh, the book of Genesis. And it starts with the story of the garden that is in Eden. And in the garden that is in Eden, at the center of the garden, there is a tree. And the tree produces life-giving fruit. Out of the fruit of the tree comes life and life abundant. It's generally referred to as the tree of life. And you find that. And actually, uh, if you want to uh, see something really cool, right, spoiler alert, if you go to the end of your Bible, you'll see that the tree of life actually makes a reappearance. Well, that's interesting. I wonder what might be happening there. Okay, good question. Let's keep going. Fast forward. You get to Moses who has a personal experience with the living God through a tree 
Some of us might refer to it as a bush, but that's, again, maybe projecting our modern idea or categories onto the ancient. It's a tree. It's a small tree that's on fire, but the tree is not consumed. Fast forward, you get, uh, and this is all over the place, you fast forward and you find that, that in Psalm chapter 1, the opening of the book of Psalms, the wise person who meditates on the word of God constantly is referred to as, that human is referred to as a tree planted by the waters. In Psalm 80, you'll see that uh, Israel, the people of Israel, are referred to as a vineyard or a type of tree, a vine or a type of tree. Uh, do you guys know about Christmas. Yeah, it's coming up here soon. My Christmas uh, wish list is on Amazon, just as an FYI. So at Christmas, there's one of my favorite songs, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now check this. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You guys ever heard this song before? It is a longing song. It's a lament and a longing that the Emmanuel, God with us, would do what? Come into our lives. I love that song because Christmas is the answer to this prayer. And there's a line, it's usually in the second verse, it's translated differently in different occasions, but it says like this, O come, you guys know it, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Okay, so, O come, thou, notice the language, branch of Jesse's tree. O come, thou branch of Jesse's tree, an ensign of thy people be, before the rulers silent fall, all peoples on thy mercy call. So the, the author of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is tethering this prophetic language about Jesus being uh, a shoot that comes out of a chopped down tree, namely Jesse's tree, but there's going to come a shoot out of that tree. And Jesus here standing before his disciples or sitting before his disciples in John chapter 15 says, I'm the vine. I'm the grape tree. Have, by the way, have you guys ever seen a vine before? Like one that grapes grow on? Really old ones, don't the vines actually, even to our eyes, don't they look like, what do they look like? Like trees. Jesus here is, I think that all of those who are listening to Jesus, who knew their Bibles are like, I see exactly what Jesus is doing here. Because out of trees, out of healthy trees come what? Good fruit and life. And, and Jesus uses a metaphor that everyone would have totally gotten, right? And those of us in the post-industrial age, we might miss it. But if you were to be walking along and you see a fruit tree and there's a, a branch on the ground not connected to the tree, you guys follow me? What do you assume about the status of the branch that is disconnected from the tree? Will it, would you pick it up and say, fruit, please, no, you, you and I, all, even for those of us, we go to grocery stores, even we know that a branch disconnected from the, the life source is just dead. Only those who are connected to the vine, only the branches that are connected to the vine produce what? Fruit. Now, let's, let's press this in. If I take a branch that is disconnected from the vine and I duct tape fruit to it, and I say to everyone, look at this awesome fruit that, you know, this branch is producing. What inevitably will happen to the fruit? It will die. It will become corrupted. I just want to press pause here and just say that it is easy to watch somebody point at fruit. Look at this faithful ministry. Look at this good thing that God is doing. And on the outside, it may look like good fruit for a season. But if it is disconnected from the life source, it's poison. 
I'll put it another way. Not everyone who uses Jesus' name is connected to Jesus. Uh, and then after you read your Bible, read a Western history book. We've been doing it for 1,700 years. All right, let's keep going. So notice, though, Jesus speaks of his relationship with you, right? All who turn from their sin, repent, and believe the gospel. They believe the good news that Jesus is the risen king. And he says, follow me, follow the Jesus way. And do you know, he says, he does not say this, produce fruit, and then you earn connection with the vine. Notice the order. This is so crucial. Notice the order. What comes first, the connection with God or the fruit? American individualistic consumeristic moralism says, be a good person, then you get to connect with God, right? There are so many of us who say, God would never love me because of all the stuff I've done. That is American consumeristic individualistic moralism that says, produce fruit, then God will connect you to his life source. But Jesus says, I'm the type of God who gives my life for you. You just connect with me and through you, as you connect with me through you, you will see good fruit. Now, I think the good fruit is, because a lot of us say, well, what is the fruit? I think Jesus leaves it intentionally ambiguous. And you'll actually see that, that the later New Testament authors are actually wrestling around with this. They kind of take uh, shots at, okay, we think that this is fruit, or at least this fruit. None of the lists, in my experience, are exhaustive. So I'll just put it to you this way. This is what I've come to, to understand. <laughs> okay, follow me here. The fruit. So you've got the grape, right? Where is its life source? The branch or the vine? The vine. So in the fruit is all the essence of the vine. You guys with me so far? The vine has given its life source to the fruit through the branch. And so the fruit, I'm pushing the metaphor, but hold on. The fruit should taste like, smell like, and remind us of the life source, the vine. So whatever the fruit is, it's, it's Jesus in us. Is that okay? Can we do that? Like, so, well, is fruit charity? Well, yeah, if it's Jesus in you. And is fruit faithfulness? Yeah, if it's Jesus in you. And, and is fruit uh, a reconciling a relationship? Yeah, if it's Jesus in you. I mean, the, the, we, we would exhaust ourselves to try to come up with an, a complete list of the fruit that Christ produces in and through us. So we'll just call it fruit. And if it reminds us of Jesus, if it tastes like Jesus, if it smells like Jesus, it's likely his fruit. Here's the other thing, too. Just because God has produced a certain type of fruit in your life in past seasons, don't feel like he's going to keep doing it. He may have a fresh desire for you. And too often we look around for old fruit and try to stick it to ourselves. And it just becomes poison. Religion says, right, American individualistic, consumeristic religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. I'm a good person, so God has to love me. Jesus says, I love you and accept you because of who I am, not because of who you are or what you've done. Therefore, follow me and obey. And the obedience is not to earn his favor. The obedience is so that we might find fruit in our lives. Jesus' call to obey is only ever for our good. And he's the only God who does that. Which is why I want to make sure we're real clear as a church. 
The God we serve is the one who hung on the cross, the one who went in the tomb, and then the one who beat it. What is your connection with Jesus like? <laughs> this is... So, so, so much of my life, I, I've, I've read this text and I've thought, okay, what's the thing I need to do in order to be with? And I, and, and I get it, right? So I just want to encourage you. Prayer, worshiping together, reading your Bible together, especially with other people who are not like you, uh, uh, just sitting quietly. I mean, all of, and the list goes on and on and on and on, right, of these spiritual disciplines. But for, so like for my wife and I, we do frame some of our time together around certain disciplines, like a date. You guys heard of this? I hadn't actually heard of it till after high school, so I didn't hear about dates during high school at all. Did not experience many of them. So a date is when you say, okay, you and I, uh, because we want to, you know, uh, deepen our relationship or whatever, uh, because we're in relationship with one another, we're going to go do something together. Is the date the point? No. The relationship is the point. The date is just the way in which we intentionally spend time together. But we also spend time together just, you know, doing nothing. We spend time together going on trips. We spend time together at the dinner table. There's always different opportunities to spend time with. But the focus is not on the thing we're doing. It's on the one we're with. So I just want to encourage you, whatever means of connecting with Jesus, whatever you find to be the most fruitful, do that. Do you know who Jesus says yes to? Anyone who wants Jesus. Do you know that Jesus longs to be with you, to be connected with you? And he's calling out, just follow me, come to me. Now, out of that comes fruit. So when we just think about our statements here as a church family, we, we want to be very clear that all of that, right, a life of generosity, living as ambassadors, living as a community of misfits, all of that is coming out of the power source of Jesus. It's all coming out of a connection with Jesus. And here's the deal. If we try to do the other four things without being connected to Jesus, they will become corrupt poison. Because all we'll simply be doing is just taking fruit and trying to put it onto us. But if the fruit is disconnected from its life source, it becomes spoiled and harmful if we try to consume it. What does your connection to Jesus look like? It's something that I want to encourage you to think through and pray through, not only individually, but also communally. What does our relationship with Jesus look like? For he has called us to one church family in unity. So I'm going to ask that you would, uh, if you would, please uh, do me a favor. Uh, we're not going to do anything weird, but I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes. And just let the worries and the concerns of this world, all of the thoughts that have come in, just let them just take, the, we'll get back to those in a minute. Just allow maybe a quiet to come over your mind. I'm just going to ask you to hear the words of Jesus that he spoke directly to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. 
I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you any longer because the ruler of this world is coming. And yet he has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Get up and let us leave this place. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. Now you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you may make my joy, uh, that my joy would be in you and your joy may be complete. This is the command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what is commanded of you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give to you. This is what I command, that you love one another. Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to be a people who are shaped by, compelled by, guided by you. And you call us to abide in you, to remain in you. And so, Lord, by the power of your spirit, right now in this moment, would you give to each of us a sense of your abiding presence? That you remain in us and we remain in you. Lord, of us, for, for, for those of us, Lord, that are, that are weary of trying to produce fruit by our own might and our own power, right in this moment, Lord, would you give to us a sense of your calm, your rest, and your call to take up your easy and light yoke. Help us to recognize that the way that you have set before us, the the means in which you call us to follow your way, Jesus, though it not be easy, you give us the power to take every step that you call us to. 
Continue, Lord, to shape us into the type of people that look like you, Jesus. We ask these things knowing that you love us and you're powerful to bring them about, and we entrust ourselves to you. Amen. In a moment, we're going to uh, do something that was mentioned a moment ago. So out on the front uh, lawn, we've got some of the construction materials, I think namely cinder blocks. Uh, they're going to be used in the construction of the elevator for the two-story uh, kids building. The reason that we're building this elevator is we believe that everyone uh, from our community, regardless of their abilities, ought to be able to participate in the life-giving ministry that's going on here as we point people uh, to Jesus. And we recognize that the only way to the second story of our uh, kids building was to climb stairs, which limited accessibility. And so a couple years ago, we raised funds through our Build 100 vision, and uh, we received those funds. Uh, actually, this is crazy. So at the time, uh, just before COVID hit, we, we received a donation from another local church for $200,000 uh, who believed in what we were doing. At the time, we thought, that's awesome, because we had raised uh, a, a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm forgetting the details right off the top of my head, but we had raised a lot as well. And, and, in, and this is what we didn't see coming. Um, the price of the elevator doubled uh, since we had initially laid out our plans in 2019. And, and what a blessing that God used another church to help us cover the spread. And so we're, we're able to build this not only because of your generosity, but the generosity of the people of God here in Phoenix who believe in this. And so what we're going to do today is as construction uh, begins this week, uh, I'm going to ask that you would uh, go out and find a, a, a brick, and I believe there's some Sharpie pens available, and I'm going to ask that you would just say a prayer, not over the elevator, but for the people who will use it that they would meet Jesus, that they would come, they would be drawn to Jesus, that Jesus would use this church family to minister to them. And if you want to write out a prayer or, or make a mark, you can just a note or a drawing, whatever uh, works for you. If you would just write that on those bricks. Um, and for those of you who have children and adventure kids who want to do that together as a family, please go pick them up first, uh, bring them out. There'll be plenty of time available for us. Um, and, and by the way, these will not be exposed uh, after the construction is done. So if you want a memory of it, you know, take a picture of it because um, we got to plaster the outside of the thing. So uh, we are doing this as an act uh, of striving to follow the Jesus way. And so as a church family, let's also be a people who pray as we take those steps forward. So uh, I'm going to, uh, in just a minute, I'll dismiss you. Let me just talk to the folks online real quick. Hey, I know, like, we couldn't mail you a brick. Uh, it was a little, the postage was a little expensive. So here's what we're going to do. On the front page of our website, dsbc.church, uh, there's a contact form. If you fill out that contact form, just say, hey, I, I wanted somebody to put this on a brick. If we receive that, maybe it's a prayer or a, uh, a statement or whatever, uh, if, if you send that in, we will transcribe that onto one of those bricks for you. And so again, front page of our website, dsbc.church, contact form, just send that to us and we'll write that out uh, this week on your behalf. Uh, but please also be in prayer. Uh, that God would use this to bless, uh, specifically just thinking about the children uh, and the students that will be utilizing this in the many years to come. Uh, so church family, love y'all. More importantly, Jesus loves you so much, and we'll see you guys next time.